0: to another edition of Michael L. Craver Presents. It is 4.59 on Mother's Day, May the 14th. We are winding down the preparatory weekend <laughs> that I'm having. I've got a long week with my crew, um, most of them on, on vacation, so I've taken the time to recharge and uh, just have some quiet time. Have some good music. Uh, I say quiet time. Me and John watched The Pope's Exorcist last night with uh, Russell Crowe. That was its own reward. Uh, fun movie. A lot more computer graphics and things that I usually care to see. But uh, I've watched uh, you know, a lot of those Conjuring, Exorcism of Emily Rose and Annabelle's and was the other one? Insidious and, of course, the original five Exorcist movies. The Omen movies are not necessarily of the same mechanism in the church, but it's all interesting to me. Some of that's loosely based on folklore. Some of it's a way to, what I would consider, uh, get the message across that in your book better than... A lot of the buildings do on Sunday. It's great to go out and rejoice and sing with the choir and praise Jesus and do all the things you do with the, the little people, but sometimes you just need to scare the hell out of folks. And the uh, Pope's Exorcist was quite an adventure in uh, trying to restore our um, belief in evil, as, as much of a paradox as that should be. If you believe, you you believe against evil, but uh, uh, recognizing the presence of evil may be a better way of saying it. But I, I've been meaning to do this show, this podcast, for uh, quite a while. Here, I've just been terribly busy with uh, work and otherwise, and you know, with little downtime, I've had. I've, I think there's this is Admiral Nelson's. There's some Captain Morgan's. There is New Amsterdam and. Calico Jack is the other one. I just... I, I was on a kick with coconut rum, so I bought one from several different kinds. Uh, of uh, or several different brands. And I don't really consume at a rapid rate, so uh, that'll be enough to last uh, a sip or two a day, probably till the end of July or something. But... um Maybe a little. I I took some of this small batch bourbon and and put a dash of coconut rum in it. I haven't haven't tried it yet. No, it doesn't uh, doesn't take the edge off of it. Not the ratio that I put together. That's just still good. It's very strong. You can feel the feel the burn. But I. I hope that everybody's enjoyed their Mother's Day. It's been a great weekend here in North Carolina. I know that uh, the folks around me, um, several of my guys are on vacation, whether it's in Acapulco or whether it's in Tennessee, uh, getting away, far away. <laughs> Run, boys. And, and they're not coming back uh, for another, I don't know, week or more uh, because – They've earned it. And when when you've been with um, a certain place of employment longer periods of time than others, uh, many companies uh, stack up uh, your benefits. So if you're in a place and you're you're weighing out where to go and if you should stay, one of the many things that have affected uh, folks that I know are the ways that longevity means you get two weeks, three weeks, four weeks of vacation. So... um, They certainly have tried to take advantage of that, and I do not blame them at all. I, maybe I shouldn't say this publicly, but I don't take vacation. And now, I had to last year, right, because they didn't roll it over. Well, they do now. So the reason that companies don't roll over vacation, those of you who asked this question to yourselves or amongst your peers, is because if I earn ten dollars an hour in 2023 and i get to roll over my vacation to 2028 and then i take some of it well now i can get paid out at whatever i'm making in 2028 so i can make my vacation worth more dollars i can miss work i would have missed work at ten dollars an hour now but in five years i might be missing work at 15 20 you know whatever dollars an hour so it's a completely different um way of looking at it, from uh, I guess if you're doing the accounting on it, you understand it a hell of a lot more because you're like, oh, I don't want to take it now, guys, and, and let's get it off the books. I understand that. You wouldn't want some unknown quantity out there where you know, there's a lot of people just stacking that up, and then they're going to cash out one day. That's um, what many people call the run on the banks or, or whatever, where if everybody was to try and, and do this, uh, it would be very unhealthy for the company. Um, that's why most places don't do that kind of thing. But, uh, I'm glad to see people getting away, taking their vacation. Um, it's about that time of year where in, in my mother's side of the family, they'll start planning to go to the beach and other trips. Um, a lot of family up near DC, Williamsburg, historical places on the East coast. So makes for an interesting getaway. You go somewhere that's not part of your everyday community, but you see people who are in your family. So it's, uh, it's a little a mixture of both worlds, a certain level of comfort that you might not have just going off somewhere strange. Uh, obviously very different than those movies, right, where the people go stay in the hostel or you go down to Mexico. And this is one of the things that people were talking about uh, when they were planning their summer vacations. They said, yeah, you can't go to these faraway places. 'Cause they look forward to not only taking your money by you being a tourist and overpaying for things, but if they can kidnap you and they can do some um some evil, um then uh, you know, you could be in a very bad situation where you're out a lot of money or, you know, you could lose your life. So a lot of folks had, um, war- yeah, that'd be a good word, outright, they had warnings about where to go and where not to go on vacation, as opposed to uh, other things that I saw where it was like, hey, hey, you should go here because of this extraordinary experience that you can have. I know that a lot of folks want to be able to get out and go somewhere where the water is clear and the atmosphere is clean and the air is bright and blue, right? All those things the pictures remind you of. You watch these TV shows and they film them in, per se, paradise. You know, bachelor in paradise. It's expensive to go to some of those places, but many folks think that it's worth... um, sort of cleanse that it gives them. I know that my mother's big on this. Uh, Speaking of Mother's Day, um, she's been many times to these underwater um, caverns and salt caves and things like that for a day spa or even an overnight experience because um, whether it's all in your head or it's not, but she believes and has firsthand experience of being able to rest and recharge and that these extraordinary experiences where you you know let someone give your body a a different kind of treatment and steam and hot stones and massage and facials and so forth it rejuvenates many things It unwinds not only a lot of your problems but then it also gets you um, sort of replenished in a way that you just can't do Number one, on your own. You just can't reach those areas. You don't have that kind of expertise with the body. Secondly, it's uh, something in your mind as well. It's, uh, many people are of the belief that you get your dollars worth when you go to these places, and then you'll run into guys who might be cranky and <clears throat> stingy with their money like I am, who would say, wait a minute, how much is it? How much for, the, for this getaway to this place for one night or whatever it is? Yeah, no. No. And I don't mean to be, you know, raining on anybody's parade, but there's experiences I've had where, you know, you go into these stores that sell that kind of mindset. Here, buy the green stones, and that means you're going to come into some money. Like, uh, it doesn't work like that. In fact, if I pay you for the stones, you'll have my money. Oh, Michael, that's just harmless. Well, it's not to me. I look at those situations and I think about how uh, that is. It's how we end up in the situations we have in society where, oh, it's okay to have freedom of expression and let people say this and preach this and and practice uh, whatever it might be, whether it's worshiping Satan or witchcraft or just because you want to let people do whatever they want with their hair and nails and elective surgery and that's where it becomes this very strange discussion. And I just start looking at it and saying, I am very happy for you to say that you have freedom of etc., right? There are certain places where freedom of speech does not extend. There are certain places where freedom of expression would not extend. And so when you start to advocate for these sort of uh, creative interpretations of whether it's look, feel, the herbal and the spiritual, the Reiki or whatever you might be into. Uh, those are on a different wavelength, but you know that it goes along with the same kind of uh, openness that people want in order to express themselves, whether it comes to gender identity or whatever those things might mean in your world. And there's a lot of folks who just don't believe in that kind of stuff either. They believe the same way religiously. This is what the Bible means. There's no other way to take it. It's literal, right? And you have people who argue biology and they'll say, well, you were born with these chromosomes and you have little gametes or big gametes, which is what either is eggs or sperm. And, and there's no change in that, which is absolutely true. So if you're is that where you're drawing the line in the sand it's all or nothing because a lot of people are looking at it that way there's other folks who are going to have some kind of gray area and say if you want to change the way that you represent yourself just the same way you might change an occupation an outfit a wardrobe a trend then you're allowed to do that sure somebody like me somebody might say something funny something ironic you know, you're trying to get ahead of the curve by saying, Oh, oh I, I can't have breast cancer. Watch this. I'll, I'll have a double mastectomy. I'll just go ahead and cut those right off. Ain't no breast cancer going to get me. Well, I, okay. Well, that's an interesting way of looking at it. I mean, a guy gets bit by a zombie. He might cut his lower arm off just so it doesn't spread to the rest of his body. It's part of a movie. It's science fiction. It's interesting. But that's not what those people are doing. They're changing their look. Same as you cut your hair, your fingernails, whatever. They're trimming down on a deeper level. And whether you color your hair, cut off your hair, whatever you might do. Because there's guys who run around. We think Michael Jordan's just this amazing guy. Dave Chappelle talks about how he would have this beautiful hair if he would grow it out. But he shaves it to be bald. Well... That's a form of expression, and yet Dave Chappelle has a lot of things to say about people who live alternative lifestyles. The question might be, where does his ability to cut his hair end and his limit to their being able to express themselves across a gender spectrum begin? Because if he can do that, and he can pretend to be bald even though he can grow hair, he would grow hair if he didn't cut it out. All right. Is it that wrong if a girl would grow certain things and she decides that she's going to stop him from growing? He can stop his hair from growing? What's the difference between her and him? Uh, uh Well, there you go. There's nothing wrong with expressing yourself however you want to be. Uh, I don't see anything wrong with... The system's always allowed people to change their name on their birth certificate or otherwise, whether it's to change from Cassius Clay to Malcolm X to, oh, I've I've mixed up Muhammad Ali. From Cassius Clay to Muhammad Ali, but Malcolm X was, I cannot remember Malcolm's name. Um, but you have all these guys in the NBA who've changed their names and, and things as well. Women, it's very common either through marriage or otherwise, change your name, legal, you know. There's nothing wrong with that. I don't know that there's anything wrong with someone trying to be uh, addressed how they want to if they go through the proper channels to do it. It's all I've ever said. You've got the uh, the legal ability to do all these things. So, wh- what the fuck is the problem? <laughs> what's, what's the argument that you have with people being able to express themselves? Well, they're lying. I- I, I don't see them calling themselves a tiger and a zebra and a monkey and, and running around and saying, Ho-ho! Oh, me Donkey Kong! I, I've never seen the guy who permanently runs around in the monkey outfit or he took a, a shitload of steroids to be like covered in hair and now he's going to be the guy throwing barrels down at Super Mario. I, I've never seen that. A lot of folks want to fit in a certain trend, right? And there's people who dress like basketball players, but they're dads and they're at home and they can't shoot a free throw to save their fucking life. Does that mean he's some kind of trans athlete? And I don't mean that from sex to sex. I mean he is complacent. He is not possessing the athletic ability. He doesn't have anywhere near what's required to be classified with the people who wear that uniform. Well, yeah, but they're just fans. They're in the stands and they pay the price to... Well, so if the guy pays the price to have the surgery to become the woman, is he a woman? Well, he's as much of a woman as those people are a fan. And if you acknowledge their right to express themselves as members of the audience, members of society, then what's stopping the other folks from being able to express themselves? If they're willing to pay the price and do things the right way. But that's good bourbon. But I do have a different set of feelings about people trying to pump things into schools. And we had this discussion years ago about intelligent design because they had evolution and their science, and they threw out creationism. And then it became this ultimate battle of, no, no, that's not right. Because intelligent design... Let me tell you something, folks. Modern science began 500 years ago. The Bible was written 1,700 years ago. The Bible doesn't have science in it. You're welcome to believe in coincidence and the boogeyman and the four-leaf clover and squeeze the goat's testicles and all that stuff that George Carlin talks about. There's nothing wrong with being superstitious. I've walked many times and tried to find a system to make life a little more fun for me. You skip over the cracks in the sidewalk or I'm going to shoot 10 free throws. All right. I I didn't make enough. i got to shoot 10 more. And it's just a way of creating a routine for yourself. That's really all it is. I'm not going to do this behavior. That becomes my law, my morality. That's part of the Ten Commandments. Coincidence that you don't kill people because you don't want to risk getting killed and you'd rather have a peaceful society. You don't need a book or a guy who sends a burning bush down a mountain with a stone to, to come and tell you, you know, just don't put yourself in uncomfortable situations and we eventually arrive at these things anyway. That's the law of the land is is really compromised. That's why we have a democracy here. There are many places in the world that have religious law, when they have doctrine that dictates policy and so forth, and that's become very unhealthy. That's why here we're supposed to have the separation of church and state. But those kinds of interjection, where you have people who take their absolute parameters for things, their boundaries, what I call barriers of entry, and they place them onto everybody, um, it really does destroy freedom. It takes away all of that expression and assembly and speech and all those things that anybody wants to have, whether I'm me and I'm, you know, a, a guy who's all the colors of the rainbow and he's male and female and every, It doesn't matter. It's supposed to apply to every human being. And I don't know why there's any debate going on about that. Are you allowed freedom of expression? Yes. Can you lie as part of freedom of speech? Yes. Can you be trans? Sounds to me like it falls into your freedoms. So what's the problem? Are you going to change the First Amendment? No, we want... You got to change the First Amendment because what you're trying to say is they're not allowed to do that or you don't like that they do that. But it's all legal, and it's constitutionally protected. So, unless you're going to change the Constitution, you don't have any grounds to start to have the discussion. You can argue about the science of it and say, well, that person is lying, and they might be lying, as much as Trump's lying about his tax returns, or the preacher's lying about what he did last Thursday, and, you know, hey, what are you touching? That's not the candlestick. You know. These guys that operate in the world, whether they're wearing a robe or whether they're wearing a prison outfit, whether they're a salesman, there's nothing that guarantees that people have morality and they're not doing the previous things. I've never understood why anybody thinks that if you police everybody and you don't let people fuck up, it's just going to make the world this... um, assembly line of goodness that's not true now i'm not saying you want people and encourage people to screw up because obviously we have laws we want you to wear seat belts and helmets and like you to not shoot each other and prosecute you for attacking each other and so forth right but as far as expression and things go uh, when people start doing outrageous things it then will reverse the trend back in the other direction that resistance to that will be start to breed the difference between how we market items in the free enterprise system and how we develop whatever our culture is going to be so you have renegades i'm not dressing like it's 2023 i'm gonna wear goddamn bell bottoms oh okay well just do that that's that's fine you want to dress like it's 50 years ago just party like it's 1969 But the reality is that they can create a demographic for that. As much as not educating and not paying attention to our kids has created this very strange uh, atmosphere when it comes to TV, when it comes to retail. You you see shows designed for Adult Swim where people watch cartoons their entire life. Retail is now this uh, Wild West where... Linda and Jerry and Timmy and Billy go driving into this place and they buy something and they use it and they abuse it and then they want to return it. What? Who would do that? Who would have the gall to be doing such a thing? Hell, I've halfway smoked this cigarillo down in my hand. But I should call up Swisher Sweets and tell them it wasn't that tasty and they should give me a refund. Why? Why? I made the choice. That's the risk that I'm taking. If I have a bad experience in the future, I will not buy or experience or promote their product. But it's silly that everybody wants their money back. They want their time back. They want to be just absolved of the mistakes that they've made and the risks that they take, which is ridiculous. This is why people are idiots, They don't have to learn from anything because we give them their money back and we give them a diploma anyway and that's the way it is. And it's ridiculous. You know, I've I've enjoyed the last couple of weeks where I I get out of work and I'm just, you know, I've thought about recording this podcast many times. I haven't even gotten any of the notes that are in front of me. There's, uh, uh... There's a page and there's a few quotes that I have laying around. I said, you know, I'll read some of those quotes later on in the podcast. I think I did that one on the last podcast where I was talking about the scene from Promised Land with Steve Butler. It's the character that uh, Matt Damon plays. He talks about uh, this is still our barn. That, uh, That meant a lot to me. We got anything else written down? A liberal is a man who is too broad-minded to take his own side in a quarrel. (laughs) That's Robert Frost. liberal is a man who is too broad-minded to take his own side in a quarrel. We have Ignatius Loyola. Teach us to give and not to count the cost. I used that in an email I sent to some very important people and said, and I also put it up in a public uh, writing that I did. Teach us to give and not to count the cost. It had a little bit to do with some people around me, and it had a lot more to do with me because I was uh, negotiating something. But the reality of our world is that we work together and we go farther. Now you can be fast, you can be the first person, but you can also starve to death trying to get out there and end up on a desert island, end up too far away from help, too far gone from society. You'd be missed, you'd be in people's memories, but you wouldn't let them help you. And that's something that we have really pushed in this country is that people can express themselves, they can make choices to the point that we cannot intervene, we cannot help them, whether it's uh, the the states who have supported, and Dr. Jack Kevorkian years ago was the guy, right, he would help people with assisted suicide. It's only in more recent years that that is legal uh, in some places, and um, you can make those choices, but... Somebody's got to be ahead of the trend. So there is that, where you you need somebody to be the person who leads the way and and they see as as a visionary. But there are also um, these unknown sort of checkpoints and markers that you pass. There are points of no return in your life where... You've now got to wear that forever. And I've talked about this in previous episodes. You're an addict. You're always an addict. You know, you're a convict. You're always a convict. You're a cheater. You're always a cheater, et cetera, et cetera. People who, I don't know why they don't believe in rehabilitation, because we've now been born into this society where you can basically change any and everything about yourself, anatomically, biologically, and otherwise. But you can't undo if you had something on your criminal record or you went behind a girlfriend's back or whatever it is. Hey, wait a minute. He played guys baseball. He can't be a girl. He'll be a guy forever. Well, no, you can't do that because now he thinks he's a woman and that's what he wants to identify as. So you must accept him. And Okay, so if the criminal thinks he's re- rehabilitated, do you always get to call him a criminal? Why? Because it's on the record? Then why can't you refute the other person's gender identity. Hmm. Suppose they had their criminal record expunged. Can you still call them a criminal? It could. And that's where the fun comes in. Because now you can say anything you want to say, for the most part. You don't want to be slanderous or liable. You don't want to write or say something that's just completely uh, going to end you up in an Amber Heard, Johnny Depp kind of situation. But it happens. That's always the gamble, too. Like, is the person willing to go through with it and um, use their resources to go, you know, get a piece of the judicial system to render a judgment against you? It's a long way to take that fight. But you don't have to recognize anything. You don't have to recognize that people who are going to high school or a certain kind of way, and people who go to college, or maybe they're even smarter. There's a lot of people you know who never went to either, and they're doing very well as a tradesman or otherwise because they did not embrace the path of higher education. And yet they know how to make a fruitful life out of their labor, whatever their advantages might be. I know that some people make their dollars stretch farther. Like on my list right here says, eBay, shoes. Talk about your shoes from eBay. Well, Michael has been on eBay, and I've been, why am I telling you guys this? You'll go out and bid against me. I'm size 12, so there's the ones. But um, I went on there, and I started looking, and I was like, I, I wanted some different colors of different brands, of Nikes and Adidas specifically. I have some blue, some neon, some yellow, some red. I think some are red and black. Uh, I don't know, but I didn't spend more than about $22 a pair. But Yeah, I spent probably $200 on shoes and I wear a different left and a different right one every day from two different brands. Sometimes, um, always two different colors, but sometimes two different manufacturers. And it's just a thing. And now there's people that I run into at work and they're like, Hey, what you got today? What you wearing today? And that's just how it is. They, uh, They identify me with having shoes that are going to be conflicting with the idea of matching. And I appreciate that people look at me and they think of me uh, in some sort of expressive way. There's a lot of folks who come to me because they want my take on something personally or professionally. They've run into some situation with work or with Uh, outside relationships. And they say, Michael, hey, how can I reconcile this? And I said, well, you're looking for my unique kind of take on things. Like, what can I take out of that? It's like a puzzle. I had an idea about this piece that I wanted to write for Mother's Day. And mothers, um, like the human body, like everybody, whether you're a mother, father, hermit, whatever, we age and we wear down over the course of time. The more we stress out our body and do all of those things, the more mileage we put on ourselves, the more we need to maintain it. But the closer we are to running out of, you know, the life on our engine. And I used that in the writing to say that, you know, the car, like a, a ship or a, I'm sorry, the body, like a car, a ship, any kind of vessel uh, needs to be maintained. But it's going to be weathered over the course of time when you put it through these tests and challenging courses and things. It's going to uh, be put to the extreme. And the intensity that is brought up is something that is very difficult in the long run for people to... um, Attached to the person who's right in front of them. They forget that someone worked so hard. And they go, oh man, that person deserves... What? They wore their body out. This is what's left. We've seen the boxer who wouldn't give up. Oh man, he went 12 rounds. He was getting his head beat in. And now he's in a wheelchair. You saw what happened to Muhammad Ali. Is it strange to you? No, we know why. We know why football players have the same early-onset Parkinson's and dementia, I'm sorry, they have dementia and early-onset Alzheimer's and all of these neurological things that relate back to that chronic traumatic encyclopathy, the CTE, that they sued the NFL, the Players Association, and the retired players beat the NFL in court because of the lack of concussion, not only protocol, but the measures that were taken to give them the care that they needed both during their playing time and after. It wasn't something that was even uh, let's say addressed in the beginning but it's not something that they tried to rectify later and go, oh, okay, well now these people are broken down and we know it's a result of football, so we need to do something about it. And that's happened universally, right? We're seeing it in court right now. There's uh... I say in court, but there's all these commercials about toxic waste and and some of the water that was in um, the areas around Camp Lejeune in North Carolina. This has happened throughout the Northeast. There's a wonderful movie that I watch, um, seen it several times, uh, with uh, John Travolta and um, William Macy, with uh, Robert Duvall, who's the other attorney uh, for the defense. It's called a civil action, and it's a true story of this mill that uh, was dumping their chemical runoff into the local water system and people were it created a cancer cluster and oh no you can't prove that takes a lot of money and a lot of time to do it and the companies in the meantime can rack up all the profits they need and then they pay out what's left or they file for bankruptcy and meanwhile that money's all been spread and laundered and it's gone. It's just how it is. The pharmaceutical companies have been long been known to do this where they make X number of profits and they've jacked the price and they've figured this into their accounting to say, hey, if we get sued in court, we're liable to have to be able to pay out this many dollars. So we got to make way more than that so we can afford to pay out that many dollars. And that's how they do it. It's the same way that life insurance and car insurance and all that stuff works. The company takes in this many dollars. They... Give a forecast to themselves that they're going to pay out this many dollars in settlements and claims. And that way, the life insurance company, the home insurance, whoever it is, can live on throughout the years because they're paying out less than they're taking in. And they've done wonderful mathematics to be able to pull that off. It doesn't hurt to have a good legal team and write their contracts in such a way that it's really hard for you to find what you would consider to be an amicable solution to your problem, right? So you did business with them. You're like, Man, I don't like this company's return policy. I don't like that my car company doesn't pay this claim. I don't like... But it's always been in the writing. It's how they're able to make those mathematics work. They exclude you. They have a warranty on your television for three years because they tested them and they fail after three years. So when they give you the three-year warranty, they're not worried about having to replace any TVs because they all last past three years. It's after that that they don't cover, because that's when you're going to have to buy a new one. And why would you build a TV that lasts for fucking ever anyway? Then you can't sell people the next generation, the upgrade, and the new model TV. It's part of business. And that's how it is.
1: The mouth-watering Big Mac with a savory filial fish and a tasty McChicken. My goodness, that looks good you're making a mcdonald's menu hack yes a land air and sea oh it's gonna tip over no it's good it's good very stable order the land air and sea by name build it by hand and hack the mcdonald's menu i'm surprised at how attracted i am to it
0: i think that's part of the you could fundamentally try to tie that back to the argument about gender identity and stuff that I was talking about earlier, where some people, they just want it to be the way it's always been and everything is covered. You're were, you like this. You're always like this. When you make a mistake, you're a criminal. You're always a criminal. When you're an addict, you're a lifelong addict. They make you admit it. Hi, I'm Michael, and I'm an alcoholic. And you always have to say that, no matter how many years. I'm an alcoholic in my 20s, but I ain't drank for a while. Michael, you're fucking seventy. Uh, Well, yeah, maybe I've aged three and a half times over, but I'm still an alcoholic. Are, Are you, though? Because I had this argument before. If you get fired and you don't have a team to give instructions to, you're no longer a coach. If you're not drinking copious amounts of alcohol, how can you still be an alcoholic? Well, doesn't that seem strange to you? Once you leave the zoo, you're no longer still at the zoo. This is the beauty of English. Past, present, and future tense. Not real difficult. I was doing that. I is doing that. I'm going to do that. Which one is it? I'm beyond entertained at watching some of these things take place because it's the most basic concept that's taught in the middle of k-12 education and whether people have forgotten it atrophy they didn't pay attention and take it with them to start with whatever it is the lack of process is what leads to these situations didn't do their homework yeah i didn't do my homework not ready for the pop quiz oh Now, here's that same guy 20 years later. He's trying to return something at the clothing store. He's been wearing it for three weeks. It's outside the return policy. Well, I know that was the return policy. Yeah, you didn't do your homework. Is this a trend that you're carrying over from high school? It is. (laughs) You know, it's people who are not absorbing, they're not trying to increase their aptitude and their wealth of information. I've always talked about this. Better, the more accurate the information is that you have that's when the most wonderful decisions get made. Coincidence I talked about earlier. Yes, you could blindly make a lot of decisions and maybe they'll work out. That's a coincidence. You know? Sometimes it's it's this weird indescribable chemistry i brought i bought a new computer um i don't have the model information in front of me but anyway it's uh it's a it's a hewlett-packard i wish i could tell you more it's a, a tx something with you know it's got like a 500 gig solid state drive and a two terabyte tower and i put it on a payment plan right that computer would have cost a lot during COVID or otherwise. they went on sale because people stopped being in the market for a new computer. With the inflation the way it is, it's just not something people can do. It was one of the last things that I just needed, or you know, I was I was running around the corner where a computer was going to have to happen if I was going to continue to write to do my podcast and otherwise because. The tower I'm recording this on, and I'm looking at it at my feet because there, there's two towers, one underneath each monitor. Um, this one I'm I'm very sure is also an HP, uh, because I stay loyal when it works. And and this one's seven or eight years old, and it keeps giving me the blue screen and whatever. So if you hear this podcast and you're from Hewlett Packard and you're feeling awful, you guys are welcome to troubleshoot the computer or sit, reach out to me or whatever, and uh and have a discussion about something you'd like to have happen i'm happy with the products i'm happy to pay for them so just saying if you want me to give a more resounding experience i I don't think that's going to happen i'm a truthful guy and i mean the reality of it is i've had wonderful experiences with the tower i've already had i don't remember making any upgrades but i've used it for a tremendous amount of watching streaming stuff And listening to music, recording the podcast, the kids have played games on it. Like, it's done everything we wanted it to do. I'm not changing the world, and I'm not going to be in some science fiction movie where I'm doing elaborate um, uh, games with the people from V for Vendetta or whatever. This is not me. I use it for what I consider to be very rudimentary, basic purposes. Now, recording this podcast through the system and the hardware that I have is not the easiest thing. Neither is it to um, put the, con- the computer under a lot of stress because I have two monitors and usually I'm watching something on both, or I've got, you know, there's a lot going on at any given time. It's the reason I have two monitors. It's not because it, it looks a certain way or oh, it's big and I can't read. It's because I wanted to have more space to have more going on at the same time. I love multitasking. It's the reason in my career I manage tens of thousands of square feet of space with so many different moving parts and heavy machinery and whatever else because it's how my mind is. It's all about that. I see that and it just makes sense to me. To other people, it, it may not work for them. They're not graduated to that level. They're just not built that way. Some people, they, they couldn't read music if their life depended on it. and Other people look at it and then... They just pick it up that's me so as the computer journey has taken me um, new towers there I've written a few new things on it I have not hooked up the speakers to it yet or done anything to fully convert to only that tower but the one I'm working on keeps going to the blue screen and dying and rebooting uh, pretty frequently so I'm I'm surprised that it's going to record this whole podcast <laughs> if it does. But that's kind of the nature of how things are. I ran the wheels off of this computer. I worked from home and used it just constantly, like 12, 15, 18 hours a day. And so it, I have more than gotten my money's worth out of it. I would, you know, all day long I would stamp, I would sign, I would endorse, I'd do a sponsorship deal for free for hewlett-packard They wonderful um, longevity that i've gotten out of everything it's just time for another one um, that's how it is what else is on my list over here what is it is we're 45 minutes in then it won't be in the beginning it won't be in the end we could just throw that in here um, I, I did put some uh, some dating stuff on here. Um, that's true. There's a new vampire piece that I wrote for my website. The new Mother's Day piece that I wrote for my website. Uh, oh yeah, I'm getting ready to like this cigar. Cigars and smoke are written on here. I've been using the fire pit quite frequently. I tell you. It's kind of close to the back door. It's not 15 feet away. So I leave the door open and go in and out. Well, the house smells like smoke for for days afterwards. So, if you have your building, you're going to use a fire pit. I highly recommend you closing the door, maybe even taking a fan and tilting it, you know, thirty degrees or whatever, and and trying to blow the smoke away from wherever you live. Just because that might be cheating, because you're you know it's na- it's nature and you're, you're making a fire. You should. If that's what happens with the smoke, that's what happens. Well, you have a choice. Hook a fan up and blow it somewhere else. You don't have to let it smoke up your house and wear out all your stuff. You certainly don't breathe the exhaust in your car. You funnel it out the muffler and put it into the people's air behind you. Uh, Belts. Uh, I don't remember if I talked about this or not. I went on eBay and bought shoes. I was buying some, some wrestling belts. Um... There's some people overseas who make some very interesting replicas. They're very thin. They're lower quality, but there's a trade-off because not only do they cost less money, but they're on a better pizza, a of pizza. Wow, that was Dr. Pepper too. That wasn't liquor. Not only do they cost less <laughs> less money they're on a better piece of leather. They're on real leather. So I went and got the um, mink oil and the glove softener with linolin, which is the the active ingredient that you put into a baseball glove to form it and get a a more malleable, a more flexible piece of leather when you get a glove. I took that, put it on the belts, much more flexible. The problem with the belts, it's a trade-off. You're paying less and they're thin as hell because If you're a big wrestling belt guy, or you're a wrestling fan, you want to save up. You want to buy one nice belt with thicker plates, and just buy it. Buy it from the WWE shop. Buy it from belt maker. The people don't get me wrong. The people in Pakistan and whoever make these belts are belt makers, but they're not licensed, and they're not you know. So there's a big trade off because yes, from a distance and in the pictures and otherwise, they are wonderful. But if you're holding one and you're a kid who's playing on a trampoline, God, we'd have, oh, we'd have done anything to have belts like I got for a hundred dollars back in the day. And the belts back then were one hundred twenty-five dollars, so that stuff's cheaper, whatever it is. But yeah, they're not. The plates are just not as as thick. And and I will. I have not. Taking the the leap of faith because they sell belts that are two millimeters thick, four millimeters thick, six millimeters. I have not taken the leap of faith to buy the higher millimeters and see if there's a big difference. Um, but that's something that I've done as part of a you know man cave. I'm going through my forties kind of thing, is to go. Yeah, I still love watching the old wrestling matches, and you know I've the guys at work, like the the belts and stuff. So um, it's good to be able to let them take a picture or show their kids. They did a great job. Dad's the champ. It's it's a prop. It's not much different than the coincidence of uh, people who identify in in some other kind of way. Maybe I identify as a wrestling champion. I'm not being facetious, but I, I mean, you know, I used to wrestle. Still, tell people I'm the champ. I never lost it. It's my belt. I bought it. Who was I? I cannot remember. That's in a movie of some sorts. That's not yours. <laughs> That's not yours. It is too. I paid for it. And you know, <laughs> so uh, it's an interesting argument. It's one of those freedom of expression, freedom of speech kind of things. The person's not lying, but what they're saying is not completely true either. I think that's sometimes how I look at the note that I have here about being infamous. You know, there are other people who come up to me um, from time to time. I get that sometimes more in a given week than uh, than others. But, hey, I've been listening to your podcast. And I'm like, oh, well, thank you for spending your time, you know, listening to whatever I have to say. Uh, I cannot... uh, promise you that I would return the favor and listen to some, you know, hour-long thing that you would have to say. I try to be very square with people when it comes to this stuff because when people have spoken to me about being single and otherwise, I mean, that's one of the very clear boundaries that I, well, let's say barriers of entry that I develop with people is that I have slight discussions with them about Topics that are, let's say there's less depth and critical thinking involved in those subjects. And then when we could have the opportunity to talk about something that's a lot more involved, and how do you feel about these important social issues? Well, if I don't think that you make very sound decisions at a very basic level, you know, if you're not doing addition and subtraction very well, I'm not going to discuss multiplication and division with you. Not for long. I suppose someone could um, fail the lower and exceed at the higher, but I haven't run into that. It's not from lack of giving people a chance, but I haven't run into it. So, it's just, it's interesting to me because, you know, I, I get that a lot where it's, You know, well, how would you feel about this? And I go, I've I've spoken about that before. Um, Let me think about it. And it's not that I am pushing people to just go listen to a podcast or read something that I've written to know how I feel about something. But there is a lot of that where I feel like almost like a public figure in some shape, form, or fashion. And so when someone says, "Hey, what about this?" and I go, "Well, that's that's already publicly available." It's not that I am against having the discussion with you per se. Um, I do with a lot of folks, but there is a a certain cutoff point when I'm not feeling in, particularly engaged or uh, intrigued by a person, and so my advice to them, my direction for them is, hey, this is available somewhere that you know you can hear it from the one side, and and it should cover everything you want to know. There are other folks that I'm very intrigued by, and I'd like to hear their side of the story on the same issues. And so in those situations, I absolutely engage. And when we play the game, whether it's been somebody who has said, oh, you know, you have that girlfriend application. I do, and I've answered it. I've answered the second one um, in the last episode as well. And it's, it's just an intriguing kind of questionnaire. It doesn't mean that that's the end of the world, but I've reiterated this. A million times, right? The four things, and this is a breakdown of one thing into three to make it more sensitive, but those questions, what do you do for a living? What's your career? What's your transportation situation, your living situation? All of that is ultimately determined by your career because that's the means by which you do the other things. It's wonderful if you already have those in place. But if you have a great career, obviously you you could improve your housing situation, travel situation, etc. But, the real killer is that uh, question I have about what is your availability? Because, it just, it's a killer, man. Well, I... uh, I'm available every other weekend, only on weekends, X, Y, Z. And I go, man, if I had something that was important, I would try to make time for it during the week. If you got an hour to read a book and an hour to watch your favorite TV show and this and that and the other, get on the phone with somebody. Get on your video chat with somebody. Show up face-to-face. Obviously, some people live too far away to be doing much of that, but I believe in progress. And it's one of the many reasons that I've not given up on people. And I ran into an interesting situation at work over the last couple of weeks where I was going to be moved from one place to the other. And I I went straight to my crew and said, hey, what do you think about this? And they said, you deserve whatever you want to do, really. It's up to you, man. Which was very flattering. But then some other conditions were introduced and i came back and said would you rather have this or that and they said oh absolutely choice a choice a choice a okay and i'm i wouldn't say that i'm loyalty or i'm sorry that i'm loyal to a fault or that i have loyalty to people beyond uh the ability to be selfish that's not true And a piece of what I'm describing there, I wanted what they wanted, but I just wanted to make sure on the second go around they agreed with me too. (laughs) When things changed, I thought, well, there's going to be a redirection. Are you still on board with where I'm thinking? They confirmed it. We didn't need to have a long conversation. I'd like to be on the same page with my team. I'm sure if a coach and, and a team didn't get along, it would be very ugly when it started getting down to the the difficult games they need to win or to get through the playoffs. So uh, I like to be able to know how people are, are thinking. I like to be able to trust their judgment. They don't need to do everything I would do. I don't even want that in a romantic or life partner or whatever. I want you to do different things, to be objective, to fight me on certain things, to challenge me, to give me these very critical analyses of things that I am doing and why you think that they may or may not be correct. Now, otherwise, you might just dress up like this sure microphone here and and I'll just talk to you and it'll be a one-sided affair for the rest of our lives. But I genuinely value having someone who brings an interesting life and and different personality traits to the table. So that it's uh, requiring me to be someone who is universally equipped to deal with situations. No matter how they go, um, I'm pretty broad in the spectrum from which I can sit back and be able to handle things. That's important to me. It's very important to me. When I've had conversations with people who think that you know certain things are like an act or whatever I go you just don't know like how many things I've done for this for the story I've done that when I've been dating when I've been intimate with people for otherwise like it's it's just sometimes it's just stupid but you talk stupid you know nonsense with people yeah well I'm the best and okay but when it's time to prove it, <clears throat> I, I was the best.
1: Coke with coffee. We blended Coke with rich coffee for one very good reason. Your afternoon pick-me-up routine needed it. Simple as that. Coke with coffee.
0: I've not always been the best in every situation in my life. There's been a lot of things that I am very well aware that I have a very good chance of being the guy in the competition in front of me, and one of one of the ways that I choose those competitions is because I excel at those things. You should do things that you're good at and you love. It doesn't make any sense. That's right, I didn't win the gold medal in shuffleboarding. Why? I don't give a damn about shuffleboarding. Like, why would I? It, it, it doesn't challenge me and it doesn't intrigue me. And I cannot see throwing some kind of unbridled passion that I don't have into winning. And even if I did win, it wouldn't mean that much to me because it's not something that I consider interesting.
1: Let me ask you a question. All right. Do you have a photographic memory? I don't know, I just kind of remember, you know? I mean, how do you remember your phone number? You know, you just do. (laughs) Well, have you studied organic chemistry? A little bit. Oh, just for fun? Yeah, for kicks. Yeah, it's so much fun studying organic chemistry. Are you mad? (laughs) (laughs) you completely lost your mind. Nobody studies it for fun. It's not a necessity, especially for someone like you. Someone like me? Yeah. Someone who divides their time fairly evenly between batting cages and bars. <laughs> I would hardly say it was a necessity. You know, there are very smart people here at Harvard, and even they have to study, because this is really hard. And yet, you do it so easily, I don't understand. I, I, I don't understand how your mind works. you play the piano? I want to talk about this. No, I'm trying to explain it to you. you play the piano? Yeah, but. All right, so when you, when you look at a piano, you see Mozart. I see chopsticks. All right, well, Beethoven, okay? He looked at a piano, and it just made sense He could just play. So what are you saying, you play the piano? No, not a lick. I mean, I look at a piano, I see a bunch of keys, three pedals, and a box of wood. But Beethoven, Mozart, they saw it, they could just play. I couldn't paint you a picture. I probably can't hit the ball out of Fenway. I can't play the piano. But you can do my Oaken paper in under an hour. Well, I mean, when it came to stuff like that, I could always just play. That's the best I can explain.
0: And that's one of the problems in the movie *Goodwill Hunting*. I've used that over and over again. He just—he sees things, and they make sense to him, even though they're at a very high level. And he's, you know, eccentric with his uh, talents and what he can do for. You know the mathematical world he doesn't consider it challenging and so it's not intriguing to him he's not blown away by the opportunity to do these otherwise extraordinary things and that becomes a problem for the people around him because they're like hey hey you don't realize that well there is something to that from a communicative um, perspective where they need to let you know and from a community perspective where you know you have the ability To take something that is easy for you. You have the ability to take and move things into a realm that they've never been in before. To increase what we see as the potential of maybe even humankind. Maybe you really hate making electronic cars, Elon Musk, but we need you to do it. Because nobody else can do it as good as you can. And so there's a certain sense of duty that you should have to your people um, that plays a factor in your pride and your choice of love for something that you're pursuing. But that's, I, I don't see where that holds true with regard to, you know, like personal relationships when people have spoken to me and otherwise. that You know, I, that is one of those things that's Extremely subjective and and selfish and egotistical where I, you know, I am not going to settle into these situations where, uh, yeah, I I would definitely take this person from this life that they would have and and upgrade it, you know, five times, ten times to where they wouldn't be stuck like this or they wouldn't have, you know, this ceiling to their happiness. And they'll be with me and they'll be like way happier. They'll be able to travel where they couldn't travel with somebody else. They'll have a good handyman around the house where the other guy they had is not a good handyman. Somebody else wouldn't rub their feet, somebody else wouldn't give them temporary epilepsy while you're being wild and crazy in the bedroom. But that doesn't mean that it tests me. Now, what's the other side of that equation? Shouldn't I be in a situation that's going to push me to a higher level as well? Hmm. So there's a compromise to that that I think and I operate by the principle that it works both ways. I'm certainly willing to trade that off in some shape, form, or fashion if you are a person in my life, professionally or otherwise, that is testing me on a regular basis you bring situations that are unresolved to me that are fresh i've not already handled them it's not one of those oh that's situation 536.7 yep it's, it's in the blue book on the shelf over there i already got that solution i already handled that problem because i've seen too many of those and don't get me wrong people come to me with the same problems all the time Mike. hey, hey. Can you do this again? No, because I taught you how to do it last time. I understand that physically some people need a second set of hands to pick something up. Or I might be stronger than you or younger. Or I've got more energy because you stayed up all night. Whatever it might be. There are wild factors into those situations where... You know, you got to stay in practice. And I think that's absolutely true. I think that if you are in a position of leadership, you need to be in touch with the jobs from which your decisions rain down upon them. And so when I tell people who work for me, X, Y, Z, and they say, that's not going to work, which doesn't happen often, I ask them why. And then I experience the situation with them to know why it doesn't work. And that way I don't repeat some silly decision which can't be put into practice. Because that's important to me. You could come up with this most spectacular version of a, a partner and a lover and a boyfriend and the way romance is supposed to be. But it doesn't mean that the world is going to allow that to work. Not only might that person might not, might not exist, you may have a completely different understanding of how systems operate, and it would never work. And that's true for a lot of people. I mean, they, they look at, you know, traffic and they go, we're going to get from here to there. I'm going to pass that car and in that car. And, oh yeah, there's a, that lane ends. There's a tunnel up ahead. So-and-so's closing the distance. Somebody changed their position in traffic. Now it changed your whole damn route. That's the whole thing. You know, you, everybody's got a plan until they get punched in the mouth. Some people's plan is to get punched in the mouth it includes that. And maybe even encourages that. And there's nothing wrong with considering all the possibilities. Now, there is such a thing as doing too much homework and then, you know, never get anywhere. That happens too. So I like to think that I'm very aptitude-driven and I try all things by fire with what I consider is a, a very healthy or reasonable set of um, possible outcomes. Yeah, I still see people who who are exchanging numbers, and I hear stories, and, you know, hey, uh, you know, person A is going to go over to person B's house, and they're going to have their first cookout, their first date, their first whatever, and one of those people says to the other one, yeah, but you might be a serial killer. And then (laughs) you can even... (laughs) You can just picture... Some episode of Star Trek, a submarine, like the lights are going dim, the red sirens are going off, red alert, you know, Michael's mind is just going into high gear now, it's like, what the
1: fuck did you just say?
0: You could be a serial killer. Oh, is that what I'm doing? I've been building up my whole life. Wonderful resume, June the 16th is 25 years of work that I will have had with a company on a payroll and I've never called out or ever missed a day oh out the plans to dance at my daughter's wedding to watch my son graduate high school to record all these wonderful episodes for all these folks no more writing on my website maybe on a pen and paper maybe on some toilet paper when I'm in the clink because I just can't help killing you Like, get the fuck away from me. This short-sighted, egotistical kind of thinking is just goddamn ridiculous. And even if you were to say and try to hide it under the guise of humor, which is a secondary thing that people do, they always leave that on the table. No, no, I was just joking. No, you weren't. You said something fucking stupid. And then you tried to use a lie, your freedom of expression, your freedom of speech, just the same as anybody else can lie. You identify as someone telling the truth, but you're a fucking liar. And that's all it boils down to. And you could say, well, it's all about my safety and this and the other, so just say no. You don't tell the other person you could be a serial killer. Well, then you should never come to their house, dummy. Like, how? where does that end? If you introduce that, at what point are they not a serial killer? Do you have some special friend that's high up in Langley and he's going to be investigating him from the FBI? You're hiring a PI? You're going to do it privately? Like, Where are you going to disqualify this serial killer thing that you've now brought into the discussion? You can't. It's not funny. It's not realistic. It's fucking stupid. People do that, though. They introduce all kinds of crazy labels. So-and-so doesn't allow such-and-such behavior in the classroom. Oh, you're not doing that because I'm a certain uh, demographic or gender or whatever. They, you know. No. They're not doing that because they think it's something that is an act, a behavior, some sort of process. It doesn't belong in the classroom. doesn't matter who did it. that's their discretion and that's what that's called you come into a store you want to return something that's been used and torn up and everything else and they say no yeah but it says I promise you almost everybody's return policy is written in such a way that there's discretion they could tell you no most of the time they tell you yes most people are courteous most people are not going to bite your head off the way that I will. But I identify as one of them female insects. You know, the ones that are praying menace or whatever. They have sex with the male and then they bite the male's head off and kill him. You say something silly to me, I will be happy to give an articulate evisceration of the situation. And walk away. I'll show you how important you are, you selfish piece of shit. Like, just walk away. There's a lot of people who are going to say a lot of dangerous things to you. They're going to try to give you a label. They're going to say something that puts you in what you might consider to be an uncomfortable situation. The same thing that person was bringing up. I don't know about uh, having a first date at this place, that place, somebody's house, whatever. Fine. Say that you're not comfortable with it and decline it in a classy way. Give an alternative. (gasps)
1: John? Brie. Any idea why we are in a fridge? Well, I'm Brie. Yeah, I'm John. I know, but you're John who? John Ham. So we're Brie and? Brie and Ham. Ham and Brie, I get it. And Hellman's. We're dinner. Well, with Hellman's, all these leftovers can be anything. Is that Pete Davidson? Uh Uh-huh. He really is everywhere. I'm gonna eat you guys.
0: You guys are really delicious that's it's weird
1: hellman's brings leftovers to
0: life pretty simple well here's my fbi file just wanted to share that with you all right i'm not a serial killer when are we having our first date at my house uh, uh, mm, uh well i was just being funny uh we can't really do that didn't say that be clear be transparent You never know how prepared the other person is going to be when you try to say something foolish. And I would never try to um, disguise something accusatory as being funny. In order for something to be funny, it needs to be plausible. Possible. Likely, even. So if you say something wild to somebody, make sure it's on the higher end of being able to be proven or otherwise believed as being true most of the time it's not and that's what keeps me from having the same sense of humor from people i make up very interesting things at work because they're they're very plausible very believable scenarios whether it's about politics or the world or you know a, a case we're working on or whatever it is so it's for me you know i i like things that are sometimes unlikely but they're very realistic it could responsibly happen i'll give you an example of a responsible surprise that uh i don't know it just it brightened up my life uh 14 uh, 21 days ago 31 days ago 31 days ago So, it's my birthday, and I'm working because I don't take my birthday off. And uh, I'm getting text messages. Hey, what are you doing for your birthday? Here's my brother, big executive. What are you doing for your birthday? Here's my dad, retired last December. December. He wants to know what I'm doing for my birthday. And my mother had messaged me, who I think is not working now. But um, she was like, hey, we'll go get dinner. Me and your brother, we'll, we'll go get dinner. Mom and dad divorced in 1996, so it's always separate plans. And that's just kind of how it is. And uh, at some point in the day, my mother said, well, your brother's got to be on this you know, conference call to Hong Kong. So he um, he's not going to do dinner today. We'll, we'll figure out another day. Maybe go ahead and, and get back with your dad and see if he can, you know, save tonight. I said, okay. So I says, uh, you know, Dad, you know, they pulled out. What are you thinking? He says, well, what do you think about the Mexican restaurant at 5 p.m.? I'm getting off at 2 that day, so I took a nap. I was at the Mexican restaurant at 5 p.m. And uh, I'm pulling in the back of this parking lot, which is, the Mexican restaurant's at the other end of the shopping center. So, as I'm (coughs) driving down the roads, excuse me, cigars had better days. A little more. It's not as tasty when you get to the, the nub end of it. So if you're a cigar smoker, you could keep that in your budget to where um, you only smoke cigars like down to the label or whatever and then throw them away. (laughs) But if you like your money like I do, um, it's an interesting debate. Um, Would you rather get the cancer and smoke the cigar all the way down to where it's crap? Or would you really throw it away and and waste part of the smoke? (laughs) So back to my birthday. My father says five o'clock. I drive across the street to the Mexican restaurant. Now it's it's through the back of this shopping center that I enter, and I'm driving down the lanes. And there's I don't know, twenty lanes, because there's a postal store and a grocery store and a pizzeria and some other stuff. And I'm approaching the Mexican restaurant. And as I'm getting closer, about five rows away from the restaurant, I see my mother's vehicle. And I was like, What? That's crazy. And I got a little bit closer. And I see this God bless America electric vehicle that my brother drives. I said, "What? Well, now that's fucking cool. Now, there's nobody else in the restaurant at this point. So it's just mom and, and my brother. We get out of the car. Hey, how you doing? Big hugs, big everything. Go inside. And uh, we get seated and we say, oh, well, maybe we should have got a bigger table, because uh, you know, your dad, and then he's gonna bring his He's been married for, you know, more than 20 years to his his uh, second wife. Uh, you know, we should get a bigger table so it'll seat all five of us. He pulls up and comes in by himself, because they have a new grandbaby. Uh my stepsisters has got a oh, he's I think five months. He was beginning to December. I wish I remember the day. I think it's I think it's December the fifth. Um, and there was only four of us. And I was like, I, nothing else even had to be said. And we spent like two hours in the restaurant talking about nothing, nothing special. How's your job doing? This and that about the world. This and that current events. Um. Uh, We had fixed a garage door issue uh, at at somebody's house. Some other things were, you know, just just general topics of discussion. Nothing landmark, nothing. But I... uh, I had that on my bucket list because... the four of us had not sat down to dinner with just biological parents and, and my brother, and the four blood, you know, the four, the nucleus of the original family, have not sat down and had a dinner together probably since 1996. Now it's 2023, so I have to do one, you know, more often than every 27 years. Um, but, I don't know that it really means anything. It's Nobody's, you know, it's not like, parents are getting back together or anything like that it's just one of those things where it's like that seems like an unlikely situation people want to see the seinfeld reunion they wanted to see the friends reunion they want it's one of those things it's like man I wonder what if that's always kind of been the story of my life i'm the guy who knows what if <laughs> i'm really i'm willing to risk the what if, and um, this has probably been the best year I've ever had for you know that kind of thing for professionalism. Kids are doing good from from all accounts. So, um, I was reading this. That's got to be from Jordan Peterson because the, the the one below it is 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 there. This other quote that I have written here says, gratitude is a virtue that should be practiced. Peterson has a series called Exodus on, uh, I think it's on his subscription. Uh, if you, you have to get the Daily Wire or whatever, but uh, he, they're discussing the Bible and, and many different moral lessons that are written in that book and, and how it plays out in you know, the, the world we live in. Most of it's coincidence. It's like, hey, there's a story where this happens. You and me could pick out a movie where the same fucking thing happens. Doesn't happen to, you know, only in the Bible. It's happened in a million stories. Happens in Hansel and Gretel. You know. Little red riding hood, whatever. And he said said to them, gratitude is a virtue that should be practiced, that people are not thankful enough. They don't help make the world go around. He was speaking about a sense of self, where if I am Michael L. Craver, and I am nice to other people, All I'm really doing is being nice to myself. All I'm doing is putting good energy out into the bubble. And I've talked about this in other episodes, but how big is your bubble? You only care about yourself. You care about your, your, your family, your town, your street, your world, whatever it might be. And, and the more that you put that good karmac is it karmactic? Karmic. I had to go look this up. Karmic. Because I kept trying to say karmactic, and it sounded, you know, it's like, that's really weird. It sounds cold, doesn't it? Like Arctic. Um, It's karmic. So you put this wonderful karmic energy out into the world around you, and you do it to the people around you. Some known, some unknown. Obviously, the people you know, you have more predictable results. But the more that you do that, the more they're going to be nice back to you. And that's just you being nice to yourself because you're, you're feeding off of a system that you know is going to... You water the plants because you know they're going to bloom. So that is you taking care of the plants. Well, it's you taking care of yourself. The, the plants are an extension of yourself. The people that you're doing these wonderful things to are an extension of yourself. Self is an abstract idea. It's a, it's a concept, right? So the sense of self is not just me and my body and my DNA. It's the folks around me and what makes up you know, yourself. Well, I rely on these other people. It takes a village, you know, you don't raise your kids alone. It's the school teacher and the baseball coach and whoever. So that's an important um, idea for people to embrace. I got ready to say it's an important distinction, but that would be silly because it's distinction is where you start drawing boundaries. I, I think that when it comes to self like that. Maybe there are no boundaries. Obviously, there's a certain level of like it starts to fade away once you're just nice to the people, you know. As a routine, that I mean, that's great, but some of that is just going to get lost, you know, out into the air, and it's not going to come back to you. Uh, what else is on my on my list here? Oh, I said something earlier about having the fire. Yeah, smoking the cigars and 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 being over the the fire pit that I me and, me and Dad built, and otherwise has has really. There's days where it's 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 rough on uh, your throat, your eyes, your allergies. The sound of my voice, like you know, it's not like I've been fighting fires out in uh, California. I never remember this now. It's the California wildfires, so it's the Santa Ana winds. Maybe that's what it is, the Santa Ana, and then you have the El Nino is down in the Gulf of Mexico. Anyway, there's that uh, season of fires, and I, I'm, I'm I'm missing the, the accepted uh, word that they use for that, the terminology for it. But I think it's it's the Santa Ana winds blow the fires across, and they have all the California wildfires and all those things going on. I mean, that's, I, I feel like somebody who's been just exposed to just a constant amount of, and I was, right? Because I'm smoking and then there's that. And, uh, it, it starts to wear down the throat and wear down the voice the way I've talked about wearing down your body doing all these things. If I want my voice to sound nicer, I probably should drink more water and less Dr. Pepper and less bourbon and less of the other harsher things that uh, go down my throat. Wait a minute, that... <clears throat> substances, harsher substances, that go down my throat. Perverts. Um, let's see, we talked about the new HP, and the belts, and the shoes. I've got volunteer on here. I've, I've, I've been... Just look out in your community. Obviously, all the medical centers, but there's... The, the Rescue Mission is a wonderful place that I've volunteered. Um, I, I've really enjoyed... Um, the time that I've spent like that. But I grew up that way. You know, I was helping my father, was a carpenter, build people's houses, which they're for hire. But also, we went to Carolina Cross Connection, which was a church youth movement that uh, they still do this. It's it's like Habitat for Humanity, except it's child labor, and it's illegal. Uh, I guess it is. That's what the courts say. <laughs> but anyway, you go off to the, the Christian... Ha <laughs> That sounds so wrong the Christian work camps We're have, but you you, you uh, there's a collection of churches who meet at a campground and they volunteer with an adult to go off with supplies and help someone and learn kind of a trade in doing that They have every right to refuse to do it it's not forced labor uh like the gulag archipelago over here um but anyway we would you know cool seal a, a tin roof we would uh, replace boards on a porch we would do things with um different flooring or you know put some some new rollout linoleum in somebody's kitchen or something something rudimentary we're not you know remodeling the bathroom but uh i, I volunteered doing that stuff when i was younger and i've always looked at it like it's something wonderful i love watching things take shape a friend of mine is uh, taking over a new re- uh, piece of real estate and, and wants to develop it into this business. And I say you should take pictures and you should show people the place as it is now, take some business as it is now, and then have you know stages and have even a grand reopening in six months or a year uh, where people can see the evolution of it. And they're like, no, I want it to be perfect from day one. Well, then it's all downhill from there, dumbass. People like to be a part of the journey. People like to go see their house when it's still the studs and the walls and the sheetrock's not finished and they like to know how it's taking shape it's a curiosity you know it's why people watch medical shows and you know everything else they don't watch the first 48 because they only want to know the verdict they want to see it from the very beginning it's like um construction forensics or something um and that says build as well what is it that's build a culture yeah, you know that's 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 what I've done with my workplace and my leadership. It's what I do. I don't talk a whole lot about that. I'm not going to go into any specifics, but the reality of of why I am happy with my career choice has a lot to do with with engagement, with being an, an open dialogue all the time i've got guys right now who are on vacation they're sending me pictures from from vacation from outside the country it's beautiful uh, water slides and shaved beef and you know all these wonderful looking beaches in mexico um love it but at the same time you know when stuff's wrong at work they go hey man it's been busy and this is you know, it, it, it looks like a, a Pretty rough sight to see over here. And then they send me a picture of that and they send me a picture of the way they've got it fixed to look like, you know, brand new day one. It makes me happy. I take that and I put it online. Sometimes it helps those guys get rewarded because there's a documentation of the process where they were and where they took it. Just like I was talking about, you know, my. You want to take a business and you want to go from here to there, show where it was, show where it's going. You might even take some of those pictures and put them on a wall somewhere in some sort of a uh, triptych or something where you have like the, you know, the three stages of you know, here's how we got it, here's what we were doing, and here's the finished product kind of thing. Then people know, you know how far your journey really was, to what depths you had to, to go to be able to accomplish these things build a culture. Yeah, and, and not just the texting and the talking, but we obviously have all learned each other's senses of, of humor. We stumble over a lot of things that are just insanely funny. Um, that's that's a paradox, isn't it? Insanely funny. Probably shouldn't say insanely funny because that makes it seem like uh, somebody's got a mental illness. They're very funny. Um, and part of that... It, evolves into these, spins off these catchphrases, which lead back to the humor. It's the key word that opens up the old humor, you know, like telling somebody if they're British. Um, but that, that it's It's a very important piece of how I operate during the day and, and how I've maintained this very interesting reciprocal uh, sense of self, right? I'm proud of them. They're proud to have me as their boss. And... It's the dynamic that we have. It's our sense of self. It's our culture that we've built with this wonderful respect and pride for each other. There are things that we disagree on, and we get mad, but it lasts just a little while. We just need to show the other person we're mad, and then we let it go. It's just it's how we're built. Um, It does, and and I use, and I'm not going to go into a lot of detail about this, um, but I use uh, LinkedIn, which is a wonderful corporate networking place, If you don't use it, jump on and use it. Um, Very, very rarely do I share anything about the podcast, but I do put stuff up about writing and a lot of other uh, professional things here and there. Um, I went over the being infamous thing.
1: I heard your podcast.
0: Did you? Thanks. Tell somebody so they'll spend some sponsorship dollars. Um, My essence is not an act. (laughs) No, it's not. uh, I can be hard to deal with, um, but that's because I'm trying to out-compete you and and I'm trying to show you that there is a different way and and sometimes a more efficient way and stop working twice. I'm tired of fixing your mistakes when I'm trying to tell you how to do it the right way the first time. Why? Why slow both of us down? That's where I just cut those people um, out of the equation because they're creating more work than... Um, is assigned to them. And it doesn't mean finding fresh work. It just means they're doing it um, twice over or uh, making decisions that uh, are either like a a procrastination or they've done things that in such a way we're going to have to go backwards to redo and uh, rejuvenate them, to to fix them to where they should have been if we did it the right way the first time. We know how to do it the right way, and that's the issue, is that you choose to do it... uh, the longer, uh, more time-consuming way. And it, it, it does. It uses up the resources. It puts more miles on the car, more miles on your body. It's more taxful and strenuous and gives you anxiety. and <clears throat> Stop screwing up, you know what I'm saying? The new vampire slash conversation piece. Um, I will discuss that just a little bit. What it is, is I was up one night with a young lady and just trying to have a conversation about... I don't even remember what she needed resolved. But I said, you know, we need to make a decision on this. And she kind of was like, "Mm, I mean, yeah, we do. Well, okay, well, what are you feeling? What do you want to do? What do you want to do? You know, and it became this game that led into no answers and then silence. uh, Or let's say non-answers and then no answers. So we dropped the end. So no answers as the last thing. You know, there was like this mediocre kind of, I don't know, uh, and then it became this kind of, um, well, what do you think about this? What do you think about that? The person didn't engage with me. Didn't speak back. It's how it was. And what came of that was that um, went, the other person went to sleep and I started writing. It's, just, it's usually how one of these articles happens. It's, it's because something is unresolved. And one of the most important parts of this is and it doesn't matter what the, the subject was. It's how the, uh, the process takes place, which is where I differ from a lot of people in, in how my mind is uh, prioritizing things. I'm all about the process more so than, you know, let's get through this one thing. No, we've got to fix the system is what we got to do. And so, I, I wrote this piece. Um, I called it, I've got my blog open here, it's called The Refractory Vampirical Ideology. The Refractory, which I thought was very clever. I, I went through and looked for you know, some different words. But I, I wanted to, to make sure that the word vampire or vampirism was very clear because I thought of that process more than anything. That you have uh, me, uh, person A, is fully engaged in trying to resolve a situation, maybe even for person B. It's person B's dilemma. They're the ones that you know, need to get, get this resolved and get some help, but they're unwilling to help themselves. They're unwilling to engage in the process. And so you have this um, this very ugly point in time where when they disengage it starts to destroy the fabric of the relationship. Because you have a person who's trying and a person who's not trying. And what's so important about the the um, give and take of this is when you're putting your resources, your time, your heart, your body, your soul, your you know your skills and your intelligence and all that stuff to work. It's really difficult to sit back and watch someone else uh, not do what they can. Not saying everybody's got equal, equal skills, but if it was a group project and we've got to turn in a group project, nobody wants to have that weakest link slacker kind of guy who just gets credit at the end, but he didn't contribute. And that's what, the, what it's all about. And so I, I looked at it and I wrote this article and I started going back and forth with how do we describe it. And a large part of what I said is you never know when someone is um, hurting, disturbed, is having these um, wicked places that they go in their mind. And so you're going in there and you're trying to, you're, you're trying to, to give them some light and, and be a helping hand. The the visual that I wanted to, to create or that I put into the, the piece of work that I did was to say that when you go in to help someone who's in these dark places, you're dancing. You're doing a dance together. You're holding them, they're holding you, you're you're trusting them, you're you're trying to guide them, but they're holding you too, they're holding your interest. And everything, um, and I likened it to dancing on this almost this, this black hole, this quicksand-like dance floor, where in their mind you got to keep things moving so that you reach a solution that you you don't drown in this ugly misery that they have. Because if you if they allow you to become discouraged, and I, I know in the in the never-ending story they they have a, in the movie the movie of you and you know reading all this stuff with peter falk from colombo and all that stuff right the the nothing is what's coming through wiping everything out much like that much like the black hole whatever else um it's i called it vampirism here's this person who wants you to help them to engage to do for them but you need them to reciprocate what's going on they need to contribute too you got to do the dance And because you want them to be better, you want them to not only enjoy this process and and come up with something that's a good resolution, you want them to be in better shape for the future. That's the whole point of it. You know, you do somebody's homework for them, then you're always going to be doing their homework for them because they don't know how to do it alone. And I likened it to this dance in this dark place, quick under your feet, whatever. And when you stop dancing when when you stop holding hands and you you break and you stop moving you start to sink they're not only in a dark place in their mind they've pulled you into that dark place too now you were a person who was in good faith and in good spirits and you were trying to help them now you're just as just as frustrated and as pissed off and you just are also feeling like you're part of a losing battle. They've already felt like they're part of a losing battle that they've lost, perhaps. Now, what is the old saying, misery loves company? Now, they've spread that to you. Because that kind of idle hands of the devil's work, you know, all that kind of stuff. That that's a very contagious, contemporaneous kind of, of, of thing where you know someone looks at it, and, and in terms of apathy and complacency and, and just stopping and stalling, and it's the most frustrating uh, thing in the world to be, you know, you're, you're sitting there in traffic, and you're like, but it could be, yeah, you know, if you got out and walked, or you did it yourself, but you're waiting on traffic and everybody else to move with you. And, you, and then you can move along with everybody else, with your partners. In this case, you, you're trying to dance. You're trying to get to a, some sort of amicable uh, resolution. You want an outcome that the two of you can agree on and be happy with and engaged. And, and everybody's had some contribution. But, in, like in the case I was in, the other person just completely disengaged and went silent. And I just decided to write about it and say, this is awful. This is what happens when that happens. I didn't spend a great deal of time worrying about it or or you know being in some depressed place like the other person was. It's it's not my nature. I like to try to explain it and and write it down and, and maybe they can read that or or maybe I'll I'll have the story that I could tell to them some other time. But it's it's me giving my uh editorial or my TED talk or my lecture or whatever. Uh, on what I think happened in that situation, I try to do it with very fun language and and say it in a way that you know you can picture it in your mind and you can feel the the kind of uh, tug of war that I'm trying to play with your heartstrings and stuff like that. But it, to me, it's it's not that difficult to do those things. I take what I think is. A difficult situation in life, and then I put a story around it where you can see it in action, whether it's rain falling or dancing or you know whatever it might be. That's just my way. Um, I I think that's a complex way to tell stories for most people, but for me it's it's rather easy because I just look at it and I go, here is the logic behind that, and it works in other places in the world because logic to me is universal. So if you tell me this is what works, well then I should be able to pull your logic, your, your method of doing things out of this situation and put it into other situations and it should work because that's good logic. Should work. Doesn't mean it always does. But, you know, I, I thought it was a very interesting piece. I really enjoyed it. There were some people who told me that they had felt the same way and, and this and that and the other. And I, I don't like that in some shape, form, or fashion because it's great that I can communicate that and you can... Tell me that I've very clearly um, described something so that it's uh, a way for you not to feel alone. You know, you've been through the same thing. But there's another part of me that hopes that other people are not going through the same thing. It's a very unfortunate set of circumstances that you don't want to find yourself in. It's like, you know, it's a, here's a lesson to be learned. Here's something that... Not only did we need to resolve the situation from the original conversation, but we got to fix the system. We've got to trust each other. We got to keep moving. We got to stay engaged. Whatever that means for our communication. But you're going to find yourself in a lot of places in life that just land you with a um, a partner that doesn't move with the same tempo they don't have the same moves you're you're out of rhythm and and you don't mesh well together and i i think that's absolutely uh, an accurate description of how i have experienced trying to find anyone in terms of a, of a life partner or otherwise I dated the the same person for a very long time who, I mean the article's written about her but the reality of it is that no matter how many books she read or anything else that's not how she, (laughs) the way I did it and the way that she did it were were very different speeds and different tempos and they just, it it didn't make very good music no matter what kind of emotional attachment you have or you know your your sheer will of force or or whatever to try to stay in there and 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 things could work in a very uncomfortable way, right? That you know, well, it'll it'll eventually work, not at my speed, but at her speed. Is that what you want? That's not two people who are reaching their you know absolute potential. It's certainly not someone who's. The only thing they're pushing me to is my limits of patience and, t- and tolerance. It's got nothing to do with improving, you know, my my skills in a variety of other areas that I would really like to thrive. Not only uh, for my partner, but as an individual. And if you're with someone who's not, quite frankly, as as uh, intellectual as you are. If they have a whole different educational background, or they're more emotional, or you're more logical, whatever that disconnection might be, uh, it's it's uh, more trouble than it's worth. I mean, the risk versus reward, the the return on your investment. I mean, you pick the the cliche it just doesn't happen um, at the same level of uh happiness that maybe you hope for. Maybe there's nobody else for some people. It absolutely could be true. We get so far apart and everything else that you know we're outside of that community and and you know I've I've been very open about, you know, not wanting to engage with a lot of people or feeling like I'm a an answering service or something. Oh, you want, you know, what do you think about this and this and this? It's, um, it's difficult to think about being in situations where you just absolutely love someone who is um, in a position to be able to destroy you. And that's the that's the vulnerability. And whether it's intentional or not, they may or may not even know this. And that's part of what can really really fuck you up in the head, is that you're with someone who they don't even know what they're doing, and they don't even have the first inclination or or want to go about fixing it. That's there's the scariest part of it. And you can have those conversations, but. You remember the first step in any process if they don't give a fuck. Game over. What is the other term that I have here? I have unavoidably engaging. I covered a little bit of that. You know, I wear red Nikes and what What did I wear this week that was so odd? I wore the red Nikes and the blue Adidas and a white Nike with a think like a turquoise Adidas. On a different day, I wore a blue Nike and a white Nike uh, and a yellow Nike. But, you know, I, I like mismatching the colors and, and just being a person of diversity. It takes a bigger budget to be able to do that. Anybody who's arguing with you is is a fool. It took me twice as much money to make these shoes not match. How dare you pretend that this was a mistake? I'm just not a very good guy for people to throw... um problems out i feel like it's it's like uh people who are the really difficult drivers and the, you know they abuse their cars they abuse the roads they they're the reason we end up with potholes But for people like that, you got to go back and pave the road twice. You know what I mean? It's got to be tarred and... retarred. Smoothed over again. Why? Because you have to do it with kid gloves and extra caution and all this... silly... approach to the world that makes things... far more wasteful. Instead of you building up a tolerance, you want everybody else to be weaker, and and that's not a world that I live in. I just I don't I'm I'm not going to agree with you, and I'm not going to operate that way. I'm not saying that you can't try to do that. You can. I started the podcast by saying this out, out, outright. You can try to start your own trends. You can try to have your own freedom of expression and speech, and you can you're welcome to tell your version of what you think things are, whether it's against science or against truth or you know maybe you just out like to to be creative there's nothing wrong with that people write fictional books i don't know that they're lying you call it that but you know that's that's not how i see it and i don't think there's anything wrong with acts of of fiction I, i don't know that you have to tell people that you're performing fiction either to me, there's a certain level of responsibility that goes along with that stuff. If you're lying to people, you're a, a con man or whatever, there's a certain cat and mouse game that goes along with fishing those people out or, or, or you know, uncovering them and then either punishing or avoiding or otherwise ostracizing them. Uh, you don't have to embrace them or celebrate them. That certainly does not have to be done. But... Everyone, I think, has this ability to to play their turn at the game. And if they can trick you, and there's a lot of people who've done this, whether they're evangelical or otherwise, and they get you to just send your money right to them. They don't have to do anything, you know, laborious. They don't have to, you know, do hard labor or nothing. They get you to send your money right to them. Does that make them a con man? Not if you believe. There's a darkness down
1: inside me that I know we'll both enjoy, and it's screaming from within to set it free.
0: Thank you for listening to another episode of Michael L. Craver Presents and exercising the first step in any process. Feel free to like, subscribe, share it with someone. It's on every streaming platform from Stitcher to iTunes, iHeartRadio, Pandora, Amazon Music. Ask Alexa to play Michael L. Craver Presents. Enjoy your day.